0: Thanks for tuning in to We Talk, where I share space with professionals, entrepreneurs, creatives, and the like to discuss what shapes us, moves us, and even what makes us consider giving up and walking away. Each week, we have compelling and honest conversations that change how we view ourselves, conversations that change how we see one another, the conversations that matter most. I'm your host, Ariane craig Jalla. Now listen in. As we talk. On this episode, we discuss women and leadership with Ronika Brisco. She shares the legacy of leadership she's leaving for young girls in her community, what led her to start a leadership academy for these young girls, and how she helps them tackle the pressure to be perfect. So listen in as we talk.
1: Ronika Briscoe. Yes, ma'am. It is
0: a pleasure to have you on the couch here on the set of We Talk. Thank you.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, I found out about you through Propeller, mm-hmm. right? And uh, which is a, a program for, of course, businesses and leaders of nonprofits, which is what you have, mm-hmm. the Legacy Leadership Academy for Girls. Yes. What is the Legacy Leader? And do you do you call it Lag? Do you all shorten it?
1: Uh, no.
0: But okay. We're nice. You know, I saw it today and I said, huh, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go, go, go. What's the Legacy <laughs> What's the legacy Leadership, Leadership Academy for. for Girls?
1: So we actually, through Propeller, mm-hmm. um, put our programs under the umbrella Legacy Foundation for Girls, which is our 501c3. Okay. And Legacy Leadership Academy for Girls is our flagship program. And it's for middle school girls. We start recruiting girls in middle school. Mm-hmm. We support them through middle school, high school, college, and beyond. So, um, girls and their mothers, because it's a dual role, right? Mm -hmm. So we never want to be put in a situation where we're taking girls away from their environments, away from their homes and saying, oh, we can offer something better. That's Mm -hmm. not what it's about. It's Mm -hmm. about, um, empowering and inspiring girls and their mother to really go through this very tumultuous time called middle school together, Mm -hmm. get through that Um, Put a vision in their heart if they don't already have one. Most of the girls come with with the North Star. They Mm -hmm. already know what they want to be, what they desire to do, Mm -hmm. but may not necessarily have seen anybody who has done it before them or have the support to make sure that they get there. Mm -hmm. So we want to start in middle school the you know it becomes real rocky support them through that transition period go into high school Mm -hmm. which is also sometimes difficult and then what is it that you want to do after high school whether it's college whether it's career the the sky is the limit and we want to make sure we support them in doing that
0: so your goal is has been to help These young girls who are experiencing, and you said it's tumultuous, it's tumultuous for everybody involved. When you talk about middle school girls, um, just kind of figuring out who they are, who they will be, um, and making a lot of mistakes along the way. So um, a program like Legacy helps helps to guide them through that.
1: Yeah, I think what it's really about... um A couple years ago, my sister and I, she Mm -hmm. was coming on a road trip with me. I was going to do some professional development in Northern Louisiana, and I convinced her to call into work (laughs) and ride with me the three and a half, four hours to Monroe. Mm -hmm. And in that trip, we started to have a conversation about like, we have so many cousins. My mom is one of 10. Right. So Mm -hmm. we are not the babies, but we're pretty close to the end of the first cousins, right? And mm-hmm. most of our cousins are older. So we started having a conversation about what was different for us. Why is it that we were able to matriculate through college mm-hmm. and pretty much live a pretty decent life when some of our cousins have struggled? Mm-hmm. So we started thinking about what were the what were the key things? One, our mother's support right? She's a rider. Whatever we wanted to do, whether we could afford it or not, mm-hmm. she wanted to make sure that we had it. The second thing is um, my mom, my stepdad was in the military. He did 25 years in the Marine Corps, so we traveled around, right? We had a lot of experiences being outside of the city and having live in other, lived other places. Mm-hmm. Then when we got to high school, we got to do upper bound, a bunch of college preparation programs. I've done, uh, we did the my sister did Kim Star, BioStar at Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I went back and counted, I think I did at least 10 or 12 college programs throughout my oh, wow. um, experience in, from elementary through high school. So we wanted to build a program in that vein. We wanted to make sure it was experience-based. We wanted to make sure that we were able to support girls and their mothers. We wanted to make sure we put women in front of them that had accomplished great things. We've had judges come to speak to our kids. The mayor, we actually got to go to the mayor's office Mm -hmm. and uh, sit at her round table, her conference table with her, and then got to question her and interview her and hear more about her journey. Um, We had a young black woman. She's a PhD in chemistry and works for NASA. Mm -hmm. So we want the opportunity to really build a program that would prepare, prepare our girls for the future that they're going to create, whatever it is that they want to do.
0: And legacy where the, the, the term legacy come from and, and what, what would you say has been? You talked about mom. Talked about uh, be, military. Yes, right. Um, your stepdad. Yes, being in the military. What legacy was left for you? For you? For you and your sister?
1: Yeah. So I think the legacy um, that my mom particularly has mm-hmm. left and has paid for us was a legacy of strength. And sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Right. She was willing um, as a mother who did home health care for over 20 years as a nursing assistant, going to people's homes like we saw her care for patients that was two, three times her size. She's super tiny. She's like Mm -hmm. 115 pounds soaking wet. But we've seen her care for patients 200, 300 pounds um, just to make sure that she was able to provide for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she always said you can have it all whatever it is that you want, you can have it as long as you work for it. We're gonna do it the right way mm-hmm. We're gonna make sure you know you're really intelligent like your knowledge is power she always said that um, look listen and learn was mm-hmm. her her philosophy. make sure that you in every situation you're learning and that there's power in your ability to learn and apply what you've learned.
0: Yeah. And you're, you're in education. Yes. And there are some educators along with mom who's, who's passed on those nuggets, those things, those principles to live by. You've also had some teachers in the, in the past. Um, Can you give us an idea of what some of them as an educator? And I'm asking this because as an educator um, as well, sometimes the, we feel like the message gets lost, mm-hmm. right? I went into education thinking, okay, I, you know, I want to help kids. Mm-hmm. I want to be there for kids. I want to show them, uh, expose them to mm-hmm. things that I was never exposed to and help them to develop. And uh, sometimes when you get into the day to day of it, it, you, you lose you lose it. it, you lose it, you lose sight of it. So what did those teachers do for you um, that helped yeah. you?
1: So I go all the way back to kindergarten. I had okay. a kindergarten teacher, Miss Delone, who made a commitment to our parents. And I went to school on the West Bank mm-hmm. in Algiers. And as a kindergartner, she told our parents that your kids will be reading by Christmas. All right. And we were. Right. And I think that was the best gift that she could have ever given mm-hmm. because it opened up a world of reading. And you can go anywhere in a book. Right. And she used yeah. to say it all the time. You can go anywhere in a book. You can travel around the world yeah. through a book. And she also took special interest in, in me. And then when my sister got to, get to kindergarten, she took special interest in her. So she would take us to get crawfish and take us out to dinner. And then along the way, first grade, I had Miss Stevenson. Miss Stevenson is still teaching. Mm. She got to come and speak to a group of uh new teachers for me 30 years later she's still teaching and still has the soul of a teacher it was just so inspiring and so empowering um and my cousin and i my first cousin and i were in miss stevenson's class together Mm -hmm. and she always called me a leader and on my report card she wrote ronika mother's day kia too much and I'm still mothering day kids <laughs> much today, and I told her that I I committed I admitted to her uh-huh. that even to this day, and my co- my my cousin's daughter is my goddaughter. I said, and I'm mothering her kids too uh-huh. now. <laughs> um, Miss Cezanne third grade. I can think about, uh, Mr. Miller, my middle school teacher. I can think about Miss Huval, uh, in high school, but I've had excellent teachers wow. along the way mm-hmm. who have really just shown an interest and have said like, you're a leader, you know, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, you know, Told me about different programs. You should apply to this. You should think about this. In college, um, the same thing. I had some wonderful professors. And then I think about when I started teaching. Mm -hmm. My first year teaching, I got to teach alongside a 25, 30-year veteran, Ms. Benoit. Ms. Benoit didn't drive. I used to pick Ms. Benoit up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, I got a lesson every single morning mm-hmm. and she was just pour into me. So as a young teacher who didn't know anything as a first year teacher, I learned so much from her and from her passion and from her desire to really believe in kids and believe in, in, um, the work of teaching and yeah. into pour into the profession. Like, you know, I don't think we put, uh, back in the day, you know, teachers were put on a pedestal like the role of a teacher was so important and it was upheld and like to, to, along my career and along my journey, um, to have so many teachers who believed in a profession has been impactful. That's,
0: that's unheard of. I have one teacher Mm -hmm. that I always point to Mrs. Flora Weber, the late Mm -hmm. Mrs. Flora Weber, who was my fourth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. I've had some great teachers along the way, but the only one that I can point to and say, man, you know, she really poured into me. So it sounds like you've had, um, an amazing list of teachers who've been able to pour into you and you go ahead.
1: No, I just always get the question. Are you from a family of educators? Yeah. And I always say, no, mm-hmm. you know, not technically, but i started one. Yeah. My sister is a special education teacher. Um, so I was the first in my family to graduate mm-hmm. from college. So she came back two years later and graduated and my first cousin, Um, That I just spoke about. She's also a middle school teacher right Mm -hmm. now. And my mom just got certified as an early educator. So she's uh, teaching infants and toddlers. So although I don't technically come from a family of educators, I'm proud to say that we are turning the curve and turning into a family. A family of educators.
0: But you actually didn't start teaching until... Because your senior year was Katrina. Yes. And you had to evacuate the city just like the rest of yes. us. But your your degree, you weren't getting a degree in teaching, were you?
1: No. So I was... Uh, I, my undergrad degree is in political science. Okay. A minor in environmental studies. And I was really... Um, I think at Xavier, at HBCUs, I shout out our HBCUs. Yes. You really <laughs> get a passion for social justice, for mm-hmm. advocacy. And at the time, um, I was really, really interested in the injustice around environmental quality here in, in New Orleans, along Cancer Alley. It mm-hmm. had just been doing a lot of work. At the same time, I had several classes um, in which we did... Um, wasn't called work study, um, but basically we tutored at schools, right? And it was a part of our class experience to go in and tutor. So I think I always had one foot in throughout when I look back, always had one foot in the education side of it. Mm -hmm. So Katrina happened, started investigating, like, when I go back to the city, I really want to be a part of change. Like, what is it that is going to create a lasting impact You know, we're going to have, there's going to be a lot of people who are not from the city that want to do things, but like, this is our city. So Mm -hmm. what, what is it that I can do? So I started getting online, investigating, and I found Teach for America. Mm. Didn't know a lot about it. Um, and blindly applied. Like I had no idea that it was the Harvard graduates, the Yale graduates, Mm -hmm. the, you know, PWIs who traditionally enrolled in the program. So i just like, oh, this sounds good. And it's in New Orleans. And like, this might be a good way to get into education. Mm-hmm. Showed up at the interview. I probably was the only African-American person wow. there. Um, wow. Lots of Loyola and Tulane graduates. So immediately I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, what have
0: I done? Yeah,
1: <laughs> but... In general, got just a warm welcome. Um, The interview went really well, got accepted into the program, Mm -hmm. didn't want to teach anywhere except here, um, and started my teaching career.
0: Mm. As an educator, um, of course, even if that was not your intended degree, still it's something about it's just, it's innate. It's in you. What have you been able to tell us a little bit more about the program, Legacy Uh Leadership Academy for Girls. It's a it's a residential program.
1: Yeah. So we start in the summer with right. a week long residence. Okay. And we always go somewhere outside the city.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
1: usually stay in uh sort of like dormitory style. You want to okay. give the illusion of college, right? So mm-hmm. you stay in the dormitory style. Um Setting And we have five core values, leadership, sisterhood, self-care, scholarship, and service. Mm -hmm. And we explore those five values throughout that week. And throughout that process, the girls really bond and they become more sisters, right? Um, There's always a book that's involved. Last summer, we did um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Um, If you have any book recommendations for this summer, we're on the prowl for... um, a book, but I'm sure I do. Yeah. So we <laughs> at the core of it, it's about empowerment. It's about just knowing that you can dream as big as as your heart can carry. Mm-hmm. And um we always do a service project. So this year's service project was um a book drive okay. and we collected books for a few months and we're going to do um a competition for early childhood educators and we're going to give away 10 class library class sets of books
0: oh that's awesome
1: so that'll be our service project for this year we've done a rain and throughout the school year we also do service projects Mm -hmm. so after the residency phase we have monthly meetings and monthly experiences and um each year we recruit another set of girls so when our middle school girls turn into our high school girls they'll come back as our resident advisors. And right now we recruit high schoolers to play that role. Mm-hmm. But when we get ninth graders, then they'll be able to come back and support the new set of girls as resident advisors and continue to matriculate through the program. So that's how we want to continue to yeah. like, make sure that the kids stay interested, stay engaged, learn leadership along the way, mm-hmm. and pour back into the program. Yeah.
0: there There's the piece that mother... Yes. You say you, you'd like to make sure, even through that program, which oh, yeah. sounds like an amazing program. So, the, What's the role of mom?
1: So, at, you know, at initially, the mother component was not a part of the program. Right. We really just wanted to focus on the girls. Okay. But as I interviewed each of the girls and each of their moms for the program, the moms always said, oh, there's so many things that I really wanted to do. There's, you know, I wanted to get a GED. You know, I never went back to school. I didn't get the opportunity to finish school. Can you Mm -hmm. help me do that? Mm -hmm. You know, so it just immediately after the first couple interviews, it was like, this is a no brainer. Like Mm -hmm. we need to make sure our moms are also a part of the program. So we do a vision board session. The moms are a part of that. The mentor um, supports the mom and as well as the girls. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a bunch of events. Our moms are included and invited to be a part of that. We have our our parent meetings. Um, So. Alongside of the girls' track, there's a moms' track really Mm -hmm. supporting them and making sure that they're involved. I think the part we get wrong in education is that, especially here in a decentralized system, we have um, found a way to -hmm. circumvent parents, right? So many schools don't have PTOs um and they don't have formal ways for parents to get engaged Mm -hmm. and then we want to say oh we could do better if if parents well did you invite them to the table like what is the platform how are parents supposed to engage into the school community when there's really not a system built for them to Mm -hmm. support so that's one of the things that's really important to us is to let moms know like with the love and support that they pour into them mm-hmm. is welcome to here. And it's important, you know, because we, we need a community to make sure our kids are successful. It's not just a program or yeah. a school. It's the family, it's everybody working together.
0: Yeah. And when you, when you talk about legacy, um, I know, and of course we could talk about dads and, and, but in this situation, it is moms and their daughters. Yeah. what, through the program or through what you all, um, the work that you're doing, what are you hoping to accomplish when it comes to moms and leaving a legacy and making sure that, that the young women uh, that you all are working with are able to uh, have something to pass on to their kids?
1: Yeah. So I think about going back to my, my mom, my mm-hmm. sister and I. I think for us, as we have been able to get degrees and have professions um, and be in a position that my mom really never got got to accomplish Mm -hmm. while she was mothering us, right? We want to be in a position to make sure as a family and as a unit, we're moving, that there's upward mobility, Mm -hmm. right? So even if The girls inside our programs are the first generation of college graduates. They can inspire and and support their moms to have those unfinished dreams like they can do it, too. Mm -hmm. Right. And when the girls come back, I mean, they may not stay in New Orleans to go to college. They may go off to college, but. I think we get it wrong. We say leave and, you know, take your talents elsewhere. No, we need you to, if you decide to go off and leave for college, that's fine. Come back and bring your talents back to the city and give back to the community who gave to you. Absolutely. And that's that's the cycle of legacy, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can always do something for somebody else. And that, regardless of how little we have, we can still continue to give and pour in to our community. Absolutely. And if we don't do it, Who's going to
0: do it? Who will? Yeah. The, uh, I, th- I think that that's critical. Um, I was actually having a conversation. We were having a conversation concerning some things that are going on in our community yeah. and uh, there's some land that needs to be developed mm-hmm. and yep. our, our goal is to make sure that that land goes to people who are going to help mm-hmm. our kids to come back yeah. home, yeah. right? Instead of leaving and going, uh, going off to college and leaving the city, but not bringing their, their talent, their economic influence, yeah. all of those things back to the city to make sure that they give back to the, yeah. the, the community that gave to them. And that's yeah. a big deal.
1: It is a big deal. And mm-hmm. I think what also happens is that we don't set our kids up to, be able to be not only employed, but Mm -hmm. lead in the industries that are a part of our city. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about a biomedical corridor, where are the preparation programs for our kids to be able to, um, acquire those jobs. I think in my um research at Xavier, mm-hmm. one of the things was is when all of the oil refineries and power plants were coming along Cancer Alley, mm-hmm. um, oh, we're gonna bring this many jobs. This is gonna have this much economic impact. Well, okay the people from the community were not qualified oh, wow. to um to get those jobs yeah. they didn't have whether it was the degrees, the training and like what are you gonna do? To make sure that the kids who are graduating from the high school in which you are polluting
0: <laughs> yes. have the knowledge A whole and skills. Talk yep. show. Yeah. Have the
1: knowledge and skills to be able to actually get employed by these businesses. But yeah. in reality, people are driving in. They're driving in. Yes. So we need to make sure the land that's being developed or is on the table to be developed mm-hmm. that we have the our kids have been trained and can lead in those industries yes. and be a part of that development. And like, we are preparing them for that, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the thing, oh, you don't have an educated workforce. You don't have a this or, or that. Well, why don't we? Why so don't as a we? part of this process, we should have measures in place to ensure that our kids and the people that are part of our community can actually benefit from the development.
0: Definitely, absolutely, 100%. I think that, um one of the one of the main things that the the value that you bring to the table is even when you speak of biomedical and mm-hmm. you speak of uh creating legacy mm-hmm. young women being the ones to yeah. come in and get these positions and get the kind mm-hmm. of training and but starting from a very base mm-hmm. Right, A premise of knowing who they are yeah. Making the right decisions And knowing that somebody cares about them yeah. So uh, programs like this uh, There's so many young girls that need it um, And But when we come back from this quick break We're going to talk a little bit about The pressure that our girls are under um, These days When it comes to social media When it comes to peers um, We're going to talk a little bit about that And uh, what you all are doing To, to help with that Good? Yep yeah. All right, we'll be back. At Hype Academy Private School, we partner with families to provide an individualized academic experience. Our students work at their own pace, which gives them an opportunity to graduate from high school earlier than their peers. Hype Academy's 15 to 1 student-teacher ratio ensures that each and every student receives the kind of personalized support needed to thrive. Through relevant courses such as personal finance and small business entrepreneurship, as well as our dual enrollment partnership with local universities, Hype Academy Private School students gain an advantage that prepares them to contribute to their communities. For a non-traditional approach to education in a family-like environment, consider joining the team here at Hype Academy Private School. Head to HypeAcademy.com to set up your parent-student interview today.
1: I refuse to become so adjusted
0: to this world that I've been able I'm even thinking about it. I am
1: smart, I am love, and I matter. Hey
0: boo, Ariane Craig Jawa here, host of We Talk. If you're a business owner in need of general accounting, business tax, or management consulting services, then look to Clarice with Knight CPA Services. Knight CPA specializes in general accounting, CFO services, tax planning, professional tax preparation, and management consulting and training. Here's what an actual client had to say. Before partnering with Knight CPA, I had to pay back taxes every year. Clarice answered all my questions and educated me on how to document and itemize my business expenses to optimize my tax credits. Give Knight CPA a call today. At 504 855 or visit cknight-cpa.com. That's cknight-cpa.com. Individual results may vary. That's enough to get your heart
1: rate going. What was the fight for?
0: It's a fight for having equal opportunity.
1: Welcome to another edition of Talk That Nova. Welcome to another
0: episode of the Blakes Brothers. In some cases, it's $500 just for a permit application. But there's one group fighting to change on that. I got pulled over by the police. I was smoking a blunt, and I had a pound of weed in the trunk. You don't look like the statistics say that you should look growing up.
1: It's, con- it's a combat sport, but And also, it teaches discipline. French Quarter Festival is the world's largest showcase of Louisiana culture in the world. I not only know who I am, but I also know who I am. You are the heart of New Orleans, and Talk Dad Nola keeps the blood pumping with news culture, sports, and music from local artists. One thing you know for sure is that you can always count on us for accurate news and information that informs and
0: entertains. You're the heart of New Orleans, and at WTDN
1: Talk Dad NOLA, we keep the blood pumping.
0: Monica Briscoe, glad to be back with you, right? Uh, The Legacy Leadership Academy for Girls. The work that you do, can you tell us, before we even go into the the peer pressure and the pressure Mm -hmm. to be perfect, can you tell us a little bit about how the program works, uh, the inner workings of the program?
1: So we usually start by connecting with uh, social workers on school campuses. Okay. We want to get to the girls who may not have access to um, what we are providing, right? So um, we don't have a a picture perfect profile for who we are recruiting, but the social workers always know the kids who need uh, the extra bit of support. So Mm -hmm. we start there, right? Most of our kids will be first generation, speak it, name it and claim it, first generation college graduates. So from the social worker piece, uh, we ask them to please provide us with a list of names, recommendations. We we reach out to the moms, um, have a phone conversation with them, tell them a little bit about the program. And then there's an interview process. So actually sit down. We talk about the residency piece. There are some parents who are uncomfortable Uh (laughs) with the residency piece, um, but talk through all of that. Um, talk about the, uh, the commitment to the program. So our monthly engagements, we talk about the mentorship components, um, and then we have our selection process. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the selection process is once you get through all those phases,
0: you're selected. You're
1: selected. You're part of the family. Yeah. Like you know, from the from the beginning, when the social workers say like this is the, the these are the kids that mm-hmm. you know I think would benefit, we feel really confident in knowing um, once the parents sign on board and that they make the commitment that they're. This is our group. These are our girls. Um, In order to find out more information about the program, uh, you can find us online at Mm www.legacyinventivesolutions.com. And then there's a tab that's uh, called Legacy uh, Foundation for Girls. Mm -hmm. And you go under that tab and it has all of the information about the interview process, the application process, who we are, um, and just some of the the pictures and in, in different work that we've done in the community.
0: Yeah. What What are some of the challenges that you've run into with a, a program like this? I'm I'm thinking about funding. Yes. I'm thinking. So, talk t- a little bit about that.
1: The two biggest issues that we have, honestly, is funding and transportation. Okay. So, many of our kids do not uh, have transportation. Got we are it. a city, and I think people forget. Like we're a city that's dependent on public transportation. Absolutely. Right. So myself and I, we are a hundred percent volunteer based, not one person that's a part of the program gets a salary. So every, all of the fundraisers, all of the money that we collect go directly back into the program and Mm. it's for our, the experiences. So in the summer we rent vans so that we can be able to commute to the place that we're going to have our residency. But during the school year, it's, uh, it's literally trying to recruit people to help us out. With transportation because we want to make sure like all the kids can ride together and like mm-hmm. we can have that those bonding experiences. So we literally go from the West Bank to the East Bank to New Orleans, you know, to New Orleans, East to Uptown, picking up all the girls mm-hmm. so that um, which would be an hour or two prior to the start of our sessions mm-hmm. to make sure that all our kids are there. So we never want transportation to be a barrier to participation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we've also, along with COVID and everything else, we haven't been able to do fundraisers and things that the, the way that we have been able to in our first couple of years. So we are definitely in, in the neighborhood, in the market for any grant opportunities, as well as any fundraising opportunities.
0: Yeah. What are, do you have a, a student or a young, a young lady who maybe has stood out in the program, who maybe started out with you all and, uh, has made tremendous strides?
1: Yeah. So um Janae is one of our first resident advisors. So she came into the program three years ago. Oh good. Um, as a tenth grader. Mm-hmm. 10th, 11th, 12th. Yes. As a 10th grader. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just graduated from McMain high school, mm-hmm. top 10. Good stuff. Um, And is, has a number of offers on the table for scholarships. Mm-hmm. And we are just really, really, really um, excited about her and her journey. Single mom household, lost her um, dad when uh, she was very young. Yeah. And she has just been such a fighter, um, And, you know, just really exemplifies what our program stands for.
0: Yeah. What are what are some of the the challenges you all experience as it relates to the girls and this overall you think about social media? Mm -hmm. Think about those uh, the the women that are popular Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. today. Right. You think about the women that are popular. I definitely um, you know, I don't want to call names or anything, but there's this push for our girls to to appear perfect, yeah. Yeah. to, you know, put filters on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are some and of the things? A,
1: uh, fake lifestyle and, li- yeah, and live, yeah, and
0: live a full life of yeah. some, you know, a, a, just a life that is not authentic. Yes. Right. Um, what are, what would you say to that young girl who is experiencing that? Yeah. And m- even, you know, some we have been mm-hmm. that young, you know, those, yeah. the girls that we've, uh, that we've, Pulled under our wing.
1: Well, I want to put this in the context of um, just where we are socially. Okay. Right. I want us to go back to a year ago this time with the George Floyd situation. Okay. Right. So when we look at George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, um, uh, Michael Brown, like we, we can rattle off all of the names. Yeah. When we look at the flip side of the Breonna Tillers mm-hmm. and um, all of the other women who have sur- succumbed at the hands of uh, being unarmed black women, it just does not get the same recognition. Mm. It does not get the same media attention. Um, and a couple years ago, a woman named Dr. Um, Monique, uh, ooh, her last name is escaping me right now, but she wrote a book called Push Out*. Okay. And it's the story of black girls being pushed out of public schools for being suspend- suspended for real frivolous things, mm-hmm. including the color of their hair, mm-hmm. uh, including um, their clothes being too short or uh, too tight or whatever. But just the over-policing of black girls and um, the society ways of sexualizing black girls' yes. bodies yes. right? for being fully developed. It may be at a younger age than maybe some other uh, ethnicities, but I think it's really important for us to talk about how black women do not get the same attention when we are experiencing the same um, injustices that other groups are experiencing. Mm -hmm. So just put that there. then to go from there to the point about like what is society telling us about how we should look, how we should dress. Yeah. um, What does it mean to be perfect and to have bling and like all of these things? And I think what's really important for us is for girls to be able to have their own stories and their own narrative. So we've been able to partner with organizations like Go Girl Magazine and have our girls feature in in the magazine and tell their stories and give voice to them. Mm -hmm. Um, the second part of it is we put women, real women Mm -hmm. in front of them so that they can aspire to be, um, at that level. Right. And to tell them their real true story. So Mm -hmm. when you have a judge that says that she has run, she ran for election five times before she won in the story of not giving up. Right. Like she not only persisted through law school when she was told by an advisor that she would never make it, Mm -hmm. but she knew in her heart she really wanted to be a judge. And she tried five times. Like how many how many times (laughs) are you going to be willing to try for something that's a dream in your heart? I
0: don't know. You know,
1: so I think as an adult now, I can see myself if it's something I really want to keep going back, going back. But as a kid, you know, okay, you told me, no. You know, it's just going to be no, no. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at women and you look at them being successful, they've been knocked down and they have gotten back up. And sometimes it's five times, literally. So we want to put stories in front of them that are inspiring to them, that they know, like, it's not all um, rainbows and lollipops. Yeah. When you see the outcome, when you see the nice cars, when you see the nice houses, when you see the nice shoes and all of that, like that's on the backs of the sacrifices that others have made for them. Mm-hmm. And it's also on, on the sacrifices that they've made for themselves and their ability to get up when they've been knocked down. Mm-hmm. And as black women, there's only 1.6% of all executive leadership roles in companies that are held by black women. Wow. 1.6%.
0: 1.6%.
1: So when we think about um, women who actually get there Mm -hmm. in their journeys to getting there, they had the fight, they had the claw, you know, it's not not as easy as it looks. Mm -hmm. And you know, when they get up there and they have on their suits and they, you know, I look at, you know, regardless of how people feel about our mayor, Mm -hmm. she gets up, she stands, she stands for what she believes in. And in the face of adversity, she continues to do what she believes in her heart is mm-hmm. right.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when people take out full page ads in her newspaper, in her city, wow. you know, about her and the decisions that she's making. So black women have it, you know, they have their stories and they have their journeys. And we want to put those stories and journeys in front of our kids so that they know that. You know, regardless of what they're experiencing, they can still succeed and be successful.
0: Yeah, we we don't live. And I I had to say this to you made some fantastic points, some great points. We don't live in a perfectly curated world. And I had to say this to to one of my uh, my coaching clients the other day is she's really down on herself because she hasn't been able to knock some things off Mm -hmm. her list and things of that nature. When, I, when we think about social media mm-hmm. and we think about perfectly curating the best, mm-hmm. uh, you know, TikTok video mm-hmm. or Instagram mm-hmm. post, what advice would you give to the young girl who's in the, uh, the legacy program mm-hmm. to say, here is um, how you could, because we're all a brand at mm-hmm. this point, right? Yep. Here's how you can present yourself authentically and if just an aside if anybody that may hear something in the background it is raining of course in new orleans Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um so if you hear that then that's probably um that's that's the noise that you hear but what advice would you give to that that young girl who is accustomed to seeing us curate our lives and post just our highlight reels on social media
1: Yeah, I think it's our responsibility to have the conversations and particularly with their mentors about Mm. what's real and what's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you you create the narrative that you put in the world. Right. And if the narrative that you are creating is the one that you want people to go back and see 20 years from.
0: now,
1: Right. So we've seen, you know, the stories of colleges, um, professional organizations going online to like basically do a background check right Mm -hmm. i get linkedin requests all the time and as soon as i get the request i can see like oh this person has looked at your profile you know so people are trying to investigate you they're trying to see where you've been what you've done what you've accomplished so the story that you put in the world Mm -hmm. is the story that you should you should want people to be comfortable in knowing in Mm -hmm. the story that you want to tell about yourself Mm -hmm. um I, I must admit, I am not the social media person. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I do, I mean, you're not gonna find pictures of my kids on my social media okay. intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to find probably the most important parts of my life are not gonna be found on my Facebook or mm-hmm. on Twitter. On any of those uh, platforms, mm-hmm. those play, they, they've been printed out and put in the in the um, in a frame in my office because that's what's important to me. Yeah. So what you see on social media is not even a tenth of who I am in real life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's about. Like kids really understanding that like, when people go back and look at you ten years from now, they'll be able to discover that video, that picture, that remark that you made. Yeah, like, even engaging in the banter. On social media, don't engage. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. knowing enough of who you are and what you stand for, not to let people push you to the point where you will make a mistake. Absolutely.
0: And you mentioned the colleges are looking, potential employers are looking, potential investors are looking. So, regardless of what it is that you intend to do, Mm -hmm. somebody is going to go back Mm -hmm. and find um, those social media accounts.
1: Girls are really talented in sports in yeah. arts. You know they, in, you know when people are recruiting for scholarships absolutely. and all these things. So, definitely are some of the 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 pieces that we try to instill mm-hmm. in our girls. It's like the story that you tell is a story that will will live on.
0: It's going to follow. Yeah, it's going to absolutely. You. you mentioned the mayor. Yes, and, uh, and and of course our mayor is uh, the first. African American woman, first mm-hmm. woman to be mayor of the city of New Orleans, and you're the leader of a nonprofit. Uh, we even as myself as a as a business owner, we have challenges that the average man does yes. not have to experience. Yep. Right. What are some of those challenges that you've had to experience as a leader? And I know you have your own. T- you're, you're not in the classroom anymore. We didn't mention that yeah. you're consulting yep. with schools and yep. just trying to make a better environment for teachers. Yep. But what have you had to experience as a, a nonprofit leader, uh, mm-hmm. as a as a woman of color?
1: Yeah, I think leadership. um, it's so interesting uh i was asked a couple weeks ago uh in an interview of like what would you say about like leadership and when did you learn about leadership and Mm -hmm. i said i go back to fourth grade okay um and i ran for a student council and i lost Mm. and um i went home and i said mom i lost you know like they they didn't vote for me and she said well You can still go to the meetings. Anybody can go to the meetings. (laughs) And of course, I pulled my sister and my cousin along and we went to the meetings. And by Mm. the end of the school year, there was literally nobody in student council but us. The Mm. unelected people, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, And I think that I always go back to that story Mm -hmm. because I've never had to have a title. Mm. You might not even remember my name, but you will remember my work. Right. So when I enter rooms and I'm the only black woman. Okay. Or if I'm the only woman, I want to make sure that you understand who I am as a person, but also the work that I've done. And I stand on that, the legacy that I leave. Right. So when we're navigating all of these spaces. One, you don't even know that there are spaces that exist that you're not a part of until you get to the spaces that exist that you've never been invited to. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's our responsibility to bring others along so when there's opportunity for women of color or for women or for programs like mine it's not just about me it's about making sure that we can invite other people to these spaces yeah um i think it's about being able to connect right so when there are opportunities and you say oh i think ariana would be a good fit for that like let me make sure that she knows about this um so i think when I think about how we navigate leadership is really about connectivity mm. and making sure that we are supporting each other in mm-hmm. that we can open up the door for somebody else. Like, just don't let the door slam behind you. Yeah. Like, op- hold it open for the next person. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. Yeah. Right. So um, when you leave a space, don't leave it as the only black woman. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Make sure you've opened the door for somebody else. You've
1: let somebody else walk in. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the, the what what challenges have you... Have you had challenges in oh, that yeah. area? Of- oh,
1: yeah. Definitely. I think... Um, when I think back to my time as a school leader, it's probably had been the most challenging yeah. time for me in leadership. I mean, I'm literally the principal. I'm dressed like this. Probably not jeans, but like slacks or a dress. And, you know, people ask, you know... Are you in this are you the secretary? Are you this role? Are you that role? Can I speak to the principal? Well can I help that you? That would be me. That's me. <laughs> You're the principal? Uh huh. You know, I inherited a staff that were probably um averaged anywhere from 15, to 20 years older than me. Mm. So when I, if you were to so a young age, woman.
0: too, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: I mean, I became a principal. I wasn't even 30 yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, most of my staff were in their late forties, fifties. Right. So when I think about that, I've had the most harsh criticism. Okay. From older black women. Uh,
0: I didn't and want you. To, I did not want you to say that. And
1: that's what I want to change. though.
0: Wow. I did I knew that's what you were gonna have to say, <laughs> but I was hoping, but it isn't
1: but th- but it's okay.
0: what is it though? what is it I about what is it about us that that I makes it so know. difficult for us to hold the door open for for the I next have woman? No idea,
1: but you know what my my goal was okay for them to see me as if if I was their daughter. Mm. how would you treat me? Wow, then? wow. So the utmost respect, Okay. never, ever, ever disrespected them, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. one, you're a teacher, and I'm going respect you just off the fact that you're yeah. a teacher. But two, you're old enough to be my mama, and I'm going to give you the respect that you deserve. Absolutely. So I would always say to my staff, it's like, when I walk into a classroom, I put my kids' faces on every child in the room. Because I want it to be that good, absolutely. that the quality of education is good enough for my kids. So yes. I want you to do the same for me. You're fifty, you're sixty. I want you to look at me. I'm old enough to be your daughter. Mm-hmm. So I want you to treat me the way you would the way want somebody, you treat your child. So, somebody to treat your child. Yeah, you can't see me as your boss. You can't see me as your superior. At least, least. at least, yeah. Because I don't respect you anyway. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Oh, that and so the 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 experience of having. Because when when we walk into the rooms and we're the youngest or we're the we're the we're the woman or we're the darkest mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. what ha- or we're the first. Yep. Right. Uh, inherently, there are challenges. But to hear that some of the challenges come from the women that look just like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let me
1: say that. Yeah. I think some of the biggest advocates I've also had have mm. been my friends, like the people that I'm closest to probably okay. average 10 or 15 years older than me in our okay. black women. All right. So I don't want to make, I don't want to leave here with like, this is a war. Okay. No, it's okay. really not. I think when we think about mentorship and we think about the people that we are closest to and the people that we've helped alone, mm-hmm. that it should be, you know, that, that's the narrative that I, I want to tell. Yeah. And like, I say that because I think we should do better. Okay. Um, as, a, as a group and as black women, making sure that we are supportive and we're helping each other. So anytime I can help somebody, I make sure that I I leave the door open and yeah. that I'm able to help them. Even people who've wronged me yeah. when they've reached, oh, can you be a, um, a reference for me? And, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to write it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's you know. good stuff. That's good stuff. Leaving the door open, pulling that door open for somebody. Don't leave the room like you found it. Right. Make sure somebody else can come in and and bring about the the same kind of change, Mm -hmm. change in the tenor of that room uh, and making sure that we are forgiving. Yep. And that we overlook some of the things that that are in in the wide, the large scope of things Mm -hmm. don't matter
1: anyway. Right. And when you can change when you can change how you treat people. okay, People will change how they treat you. So if you don't if you don't bow down and if you don't get on their level, mm-hmm. then oh you know why is she so nice? Mm-hmm. Why does she Why is she coming here saying good morning every morning and why you know why is she smiling every day? Then hopefully they'll put a smile on. She's setting the standard. Then, yep.
0: She's setting the standard.
1: Yep, and that's the way it should be. Because yeah. we, Especially when we come into buildings for kids, there should be a, a joy in our spirit. Every day yeah because it's not about me it's not about you it was never about any of us we come here for children
0: come here for the children yeah and that's what you do through and legacy yeah.
1: and that's what I could get up every day and say if I've done my best work on mm-hmm. behalf of children I can sleep good at night yeah that's even through stuff. all this right I can sleep good at night
0: yeah that's good stuff that's good stuff I have a couple of questions yes, um, we're going into the the that part of the the uh, our time together the, the pressure check and I'm going to ask you two questions that are not necessarily related to what okay. we've talked about and you just give me your top of mind answer. Ready? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. What would you say to your 15 year old self?
1: Ooh, 15. 15. I'll say, girl, you good enough. Just who you are. Just yeah. be yourself. Do your thing.
0: Yeah. You're good enough. You're good enough. And the last question, what will we post about Renika Briscoe the day after she's gone?
1: The day after. Um, I would definitely say that in everything she did, she did in love.
0: Why is that important?
1: I think we forget the love piece, right? Like when we care, even in education Mm. in the world, when we can care enough about somebody to show them love and to show them kindness, Mm -hmm. then it changes the game. Mm. So know that everything that I've done, it was never, ever about Renika. Right. When I, when I think about all those days, mornings that I got up early, stayed late, yeah. um, writing proposals and like doing all of these things on behalf of kids and families. It was never about me. It was because of my passion and my love to help and support somebody else. When I was younger, somebody did it for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to be able to have enough love in your soul to be able to do it for somebody else. And, you know, I think that's a part of like why we don't get as far as we can get to.
0: Mm. It's because
1: we want it all five or so. But if you've been blessed enough to give somebody else a little bit of what you have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then you can pass it on. And that's what, that's what legacy is about. And that's the key. That's the key.
0: That's the key. Pass it on. I know you say not on social media very much, but yeah. where... <laughs> Let me tell hey, you. Look, it's <laughs> that bad. <laughs> it's that bad. I
1: have to write it down. <laughs>
0: where can where can our audience find you?
1: Okay. So on Facebook, I'm just myself, Ronika Harrison Briscoe. Mm-hmm. On IG, um, Legacy Foundation for Girls is under at Girls Legacy NOLA. On Twitter, we're at Discover underscore Legacy. And our uh, website is solutions.com backslash the Academy for our foundation.
0: All right. She wrote it down. I wrote it down. She wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in, Ronika. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Yay. All right, y'all. Hey, boo. Let's talk. Ask the average woman what it was like for her growing up, you'll hear all about how she fought the battle to reach society's idea of perfection. It's inevitable. At one time or another, we've all given in to the urge to morph into the girl that others approve of. Thank God for the day when we are blessed enough to realize that we're perfect just the way we are. Imagine a world where our daughters, nieces, and sisters embrace their hair and skin and intellect and flaws. A world where the outside influences are drowned out by the constant affirmation of just how absolutely remarkable they are. That world is possible, just as soon as you and I take the lead and show them how it's done. I just wanted to put a little pressure on you. I hope it helps. There are several ways that you can watch or listen to We Talk on BAM Network. But start by downloading the BAM Network app or following us on Spotify, rating and reviewing us on iTunes. This has been a BAM Network production produced by BAM Communications. For other BAM Network shows, visit www.bamcommunications.com.